Hi everyone and welcome along to the Ergonomically Speaking podcast, the podcast that aims to help you reduce and even eliminate work-related discomfort. I'm your host Neve Pentney of Boyne Ergonomics. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really hope that you're able to take away some useful practical advice from this podcast to help you reduce your own risk of discomfort at the workplace or help manage the risks among the people that you might be responsible for. So now that we know why we're here, let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome along to another episode of the Ergonomically Speaking podcast, where today's topic is hot desking. So this episode definitely aimed at employers or managers or the people responsible for putting in place hot desking policies. We're going to have a look at how you can manage a successful hot desking workplace. And the reason I feel this topic is important and I've wanted to do it for a while, is that with the hybrid working model that a lot of people have now, when I'm doing DSE assessments, I'm getting reports quite a lot that the homework station is fine. And when I look at it, it's set up correctly and it's great. But people are experiencing problems in the office associated with hot desking. So I've wanted to do this for a while. Delighted to get to do it today. So we're going to have a look at what is hot desking? Why are companies implementing hot desking policies? What are the drawbacks or the cons for the employees associated with hot desking? And then how you can successfully implement this policy in your workplace so that you're giving everyone the best possible chance to be healthy and productive in the workplace. That's what we're going to cover today. Hot desking itself is not new. Like it's not new by any means. And I do remember pre-COVID going into offices where hot desking had always been there or had been brought in a few years before. So it's definitely not new, but it is on the rise with the hybrid work model after COVID where people are doing two or three days at home, two or three days in the office. It's become a popular way to manage the reduced numbers of people that you'll have in the office. And when we look at it, it does make a bit of sense. What is hot desking? Well, hot desking itself, or it's sometimes called hoteling, but they're slightly different. It's an open plan office concept where the numbers of desks is essentially lower than the total numbers of employees that are based there. Employees are not assigned a desk, but they can either pick an available desk on the day when they arrive on site, and that will be hot desking. Or they can book a desk online in advance, and then that's hoteling. So there is a slight difference. But with both, there's no assigned desk. Why are companies choosing hot desking and hoteling? Well, if we look at it from the employer point of view and the company point of view, it is an attractive option when you consider that you're probably never going to have all your staff in the office at the same time on the same day. So realistically speaking, if we look at the cost benefit, firstly, why would you have 100 desks? with 100 screens, 100 chairs and all the rest, if only 30 to 40 to 50 people are coming in on any given day. So if we're looking at it that way, it can be more cost effective compared to the traditional assigned desk because you've got less furniture, less IT equipment, lower energy costs, an actual smaller office footprint. So your cost of actually leasing or financing the office could be reduced. And that obviously is hugely attractive 
two employers. So I definitely see it makes sense from that point of view when we're looking at hybrid working. Other reasons why companies are saying that they're choosing hot desking or hoteling is that they've found that there can be increased collaboration and increased social interaction. So if you look at the old office, the traditional assigned office, most people are grouped within their teams. And so it can kind of cause a slight lack of interaction or, you know, a lack of socialization with colleagues outside of their immediate work area because everyone they need is there. But in the hot desking office, it might be the case that you could be working alongside different people from day to day from outside of your team. And this, in theory, can increase social interaction, creativity, exchange of ideas, problem solving, knowledge sharing, all these things. When you're bumping into and meeting people in the workplace that you probably wouldn't normally have had much to do with. So, again, it can be attractive from that point of view. And another one is it can make the office itself look a bit tidier, a bit cleaner, a bit more minimalist. When you're desk sharing, there's no space for your personal items. So you're not going to have your photographs, your pictures, your knickknacks on your desk. You're not going to have items of clothing, you know, put on the back of the chair, or you're not going to have clothes and shoes tucked under the desk and kind of what you'd see in, in the average office. So you'll have less clutter. And it has been found that excessive visual stimuli and clutter can negatively impact productivity. And so in theory, the cleaner, more minimal office should improve productivity. Now, I know there's a few more benefits such as um, the kind of bending or dismissing of office hierarchy if, you know, all levels of management, all levels of employee are sitting in the same place and they're all working together. That can help. Those are the three main ones, though. Those are the three main reasons. And to be honest, if we look at it in the post-COVID hybrid world, I think cost is the biggest factor. Why employers are going for the hybrid model or the hot desking model. Just because they need less space and they need less equipment. And if you're paying less for these things, well, then you're saving money, which is obviously what a lot of companies aim to do. What I will say, though, is from talking to employees, there are a lot of issues cropping up. I'm going to cover these now. I will say just a little kind of note. A lot of these issues are reported from employees who have come from the more pre-COVID traditional assigned desk system into the post-COVID hot desk system. So I find the employees that have adjusted best are those that enter the workforce during COVID when they initially enter the workforce working from home and then went into the hybrid office. So this is this is what they've known in terms of a workplace. But I find the employees that are struggling a little bit are the ones who have known the traditional assigned desk model and are used to having their own space. So we'll have a look now at some of these issues. The first one that I get reported is a decrease in productivity. So from chatting to staff during assessments, the feedback I get is that they're less productive on the days they're in the office compared to the days they're home. And they feel that they're less productive compared to either previous roles or previous offices where they had their own desk. And there's a few different reasons I've managed to kind of source out from this. So one is that when they come in the morning, especially if it's a hot desking and not a hoteling office, they come in in the morning, source the desk, get their equipment, adjust the workstation, check it's all working properly, check the connections are all working properly. 
And that's before they even start. So it's not just a matter anymore of coming in, turn on the computer, sit down. So there's a few more steps to get the day started. And if the workstation itself can't be adjusted appropriately or some piece of equipment's not working, like docking stations, etc., well, then they have to go and find somewhere else to work. And that can kind of delay the start of the day. Also, employees that maybe need additional items, so for example, employees that need footrests, once they get themselves set up, well, then they have to go looking for footrests or whatever they might need, the additional bits and pieces to get themselves set up properly. And that takes even more time. Secondly, some of the feedback I get is that because, especially again, this is mostly hot desking, they might be located on a different floor or in a different area than the colleagues that they need to work with, so people on their team. And based on the different office systems, because there's a wide range of them, they might not know where their colleagues are. They might not know if they're in or if they're in the office, if they're at home, where they're on floor they're on. So they have to check all this out. They have to message them or go looking for them or check like an online system to see where that person might be based for that day. And that takes time. And the other one I get is based on the area of the office that people might find themselves in that day, it can be disruptive and noisy. And this depends very much on where they're sitting relative to printers, coffee docks and collaborative areas. Or there might just be busier desks in the office where a team have come in for that day. They're all in the same area. They've managed to get the same area and they're quite noisy. And not unintentionally, just it's just the way they're working. So those are three reasons why employees give me that they find the less productive in a hot desking office compared to home and compared to pre-hot desking. Another issue that arises, and probably the biggest one from my point of view, is the increased musculoskeletal discomfort. So employees at hot desk on site definitely are reporting an increase in musculoskeletal discomfort, in some cases even more than at home. I actually talk to employees who tell me that their home office is now the more better set up office compared to the office. The lack of availability of suitable seats, and this could be for employees with back issues or employees who are above average stature, can be a problem. Because a lot of the hot desking offices have gone for uniformity. So same desk, same chair, same screen, which absolutely understand and it can be great. But if you have issues with your back or your neck or your shoulders or you might be tall, this can be a problem. And equally, a lack of footrest and back support for employees that might be below average stature can also be a problem. And even offices that provide adjustable desks are not immune from this problem. So I work a lot with companies that provide sit-stand desks in the hot desking environment. And in theory, this should work really well because the desk can adjust, the chair can adjust, and we can try and get it all set up properly. However, what I get from employees is that there's a little bit of uncertainty regarding how the workstation should be set up, how the desk should be positioned, how the chair should be positioned. When everything is so adjustable, some employees get a little bit lost and then they tend to adjust nothing. So they just come in and just leave everything as they found it and try and work that way, even if it's not comfortable or supportive. So even when everything is on paper adjustable and suitable for most people, in practice, it's not always. Another issue we get is a difficulty accessing accommodations for employees with extra needs, additional needs. And this could be employees with a neurodiverse condition. This could be an employee with a musculoskeletal condition, or this could be an employee with an underlying medical condition. So 
So the most commonly reported ones are that with the loss of your designated workstation, you might have difficulty accessing a certain chair, a higher desk, a different type of screen or laptop stands, monitor stands, all these little bits and pieces. And that can be difficult and can cause an issue for employees with maybe a musculoskeletal issues or a history of eye strain. You might also then have people who are struggling to work in the open plan office and they require certain quieter areas in the office to accommodate them, maybe because they have dyslexia, ADHD or ASD. Or for some employees, they might seek to be near the facilities, near the bathroom facilities. For an example, employee with MS, IBS, Crohn's or colitis. There is loads of reasons why some employees might need access to certain areas certain types of chairs, certain types of desk. And a lot of employees are feeling they've lost that. So they've lost the ability to request it. They've lost access to accommodations that they once had, or they find it difficult to request it because they feel like it's going against the company policy. And sometimes they avoid going in because they just find it too stressful and too uncomfortable. Another issue we get is that people are reporting a reduced sense of connection to the company. And for want of a better way, what I mean is they feel the office is losing the personal touch, which is important. So most hot desking offices operate in desk policy. So you don't get to put up your photographs. You don't get to put up your pictures. You don't get to have your knickknacks around you. All the things that made you feel comfortable and at home at your desk. That's now gone. And a lot of employees have cited this as, as an issue. They feel like for want of a better phrase that they're a cog in a machine that they come in to this clear barren desk looks the same as everyone else's they do their work they go home so they feel some of them have feel they've lost the connection the personal connection with their workplace and again that can be important and that can contribute to feelings of increased stress so that was my next point definitely getting reports of increased stress so the need to adjust your workstation, check your equipment, move workstations, uncertainty about where your colleagues are, uncertainty about where you might be, the noise and disruption around you, the lack of the personal touch, that can all cause employees to become stressed before they even log on in the morning, before they even start the tasks. And some report feeling under more pressure to get certain tasks done when they're in the office and they may sometimes feel like they're playing catch up. On their tasks because they're losing out a little bit on the productivity compared to the days that they're at home. So those are the issues that I've been coming across with people that I've been assessing over the last few months. And as you can see, if it all adds up, it can make the office quite a stressful and comfortable place to be, no matter how good the equipment is. So it's definitely something to be considered. So what can you do if you're an employer listening to this or you're a manager and you're gone down this route or you're thinking about going this route? Well, what can you do to effectively manage it and make it a comfortable place for people to be? The first thing I would say to you is plan. Absolutely plan. And a planning involves developing your hot desking policy. And this should be then kind of tailored into your hybrid working policy. And what I mean by that is your hybrid work policy is going to dictate if employees are obliged to do X number of days a week in the office or if it's discretionary. And this varies a lot in companies. 
But this is going to impact how many desks you need. So if everybody has to do two days a week, or if everyone has to do three days a week, everyone has to do four days a week, you're going to need more and more desks. The average guideline is that you should have half the number of desks as you have employees based there. It's a good guide, but it, it varies a lot depending on what your hybrid work policy is. How many days do people need to come in? If and Do you give them set days? Do teams have set days? Do they get to pick their days? And that all has to add up then to make sure that you have enough desks for people when they have to come in. If you're looking at implementing it, or if you're looking and you're reviewing it to see maybe what changes you could make, I would definitely recommend going for hoteling over hot desking. So hoteling allows the employees to book their desk in advance. And with some programs, this can be weeks in advance, um, which is brilliant because even though it's not their desk, they know when they walk in the door that morning exactly where they're going to sit. And they can also collaborate with their team and say, well, I'm going to go in Tuesday. I'm going to book a desk in this area. Oh, yeah, there's another desk in this area. And you can have teams kind of coming in together and being in the same area if they can work that out between them with hoteling. Employees can book their preferred desk location. So if somebody does need somewhere a little bit quiet or somewhere near a bathroom, well, then they can book that in advance. And it also reduces the chance of somebody arriving on site and actually not having a desk, which has happened. And there's loads of different booking systems. Have a look, find one that's right for your company. You can even get ones that actually will allow managers to book desks for teams and book areas for teams. They can be really, really useful. So I would always go for hoteling over hot desking if possible. With that, you need to provide your employees with secure on-site storage. Lockers, you know, safe places to put their items. It allows them to store anything they need for the office in the office. It means they don't have to bring it out in and out every day. And it could be personal items. It could be their work items. Maybe they want a special mouse. Maybe they have a preferred keyboard. Well, they can leave that there and it's there when they come back in. Or their headphones, things like that. Provide easy access to equipment manuals. So I'm talking about the operation manuals for the desks, the chairs, the screens, anything they use. They should be easily available to employees. And they should also be told where to find them. So if they want to adjust their chair, well, they can take a few minutes and have a look and find out, equally with the desks. And if there is additional accessories available, like phone back supports or like your footrests, employees should know where to find them. So it shouldn't be a matter of an employee coming in and hunting under desks and things looking for footrests. They should know where to find them, collect them, use them and bring them back so everyone knows where they are. In the hot desking and even the open plan office, we need to provide quiet areas and private areas. This is to allow employees to take private calls if they need to, private virtual meetings, or even if they just want to move from their desk because maybe it's a little bit noisy around them and there's something that they really need to focus on. Usually you find these in the form of call rooms, small meeting rooms, that kind of thing. They are really, really good. In an open plan office, never mind a hot desking office, but definitely very important to provide that quiet space for employees that need it or the privacy for certain calls, certain tasks. Equally, though, you need to provide collaboration areas. So similar to quiet areas, there is a need for them in the open plan and the hot desking office for areas for teams to get together and meet so they can provide this meeting place. And it means that they're not meeting all around other colleagues' desks who might not be involved in it at all, so not disrupting people. And it allows just minimal disruption. They can get together, they can talk through their tasks 
And again, it could be meeting rooms. You have group areas. There might be whiteboards, whatever they need, where they can do this group work collaboration meetings away from the main desk area. And you may also need to consider a little bit of flexibility around giving some people assigned desks. There will be some employees. If you have an office of 50 staff, there's likely at least going to be one or two that need an assigned desk for a musculoskeletal or a medical reason or a psychological reason. And they need it. So some flexibility should be allowed in there where someone who needs a desk can be assigned it. And it can be managed by your online booking system or by just having simple signage on the desk advising other employees not to use it. And finally, risk assessment and training. All employees should be trained on how to correctly set up their DSE workstation and have the workstation assessed by a trained assessor. Along with making sure that you're fulfilling your legal obligations, it also helps employees identify the right positioning and just make sure they know how to adjust their equipment. Self-assessment doesn't count. It's a useful training tool, but it's not an appropriate risk assessment. So always get somebody, whether it's your own trained DSE assessor or an external assessor, get somebody in to risk assess it, assess it and train them how to adjust their equipment. And if you want to know if your hot desking or hoteling policy is successful, well, what you could do is have a look at your occupancy rates. So are people actually coming in? Have a look at some employee feedback and maybe some management feedback. If you've got low occupancy rates, if you've got increasing levels of employees reporting discomfort and stress and you're noticing maybe signs of reduced productivity, well, these are all flags that maybe the on-site policy, hot desking policy isn't working. You might need to review it and you might need to adapt it. Hot desking and hoteling can work really well. But I definitely think that management need to understand that it can be an adjustment for employees who are based or used to the old style assigned desking. And employees need to make sure too that they understand how to adjust their equipment, make the most of their setup and notify the company if they're having an issue. So those are my thoughts on hot desking and hoteling. As always, I will put all my social media details in the show notes as well as the link for the blog on this episode. If you'd like to, of course, please recommend this to someone you think might find it useful and subscribe and follow me on social media for frequent tips. And until next time, everybody stay well.